Greetings to all here this morning. It's been a rich morning to be here. Amen. It's been a real blessing to um, <clears throat> to hear about the love of God and just how that is supposed to play out in our lives. And I grant that to each of you here this morning, the love and peace of God. <clears throat> this morning for a message... Uh, I'm going to write the title on the board, I think. We had a marker. Jehovah Shalom is the title of my message. Now, it was taken out of the book of Judges in uh, chapter 6, where Israel, at the time of um, <clears throat> Israel there, had fallen away from God. They were in hard times there in chapter 6. <clears throat> And God had turned his back on Israel and had delivered them into the hands of the Midianites. And it says that they were in dire distress. <clears throat> because the Midianites came up and other, other tribes came in, even from the east, and, and they just plundered everything. They took everything. They destroyed the land. They, if the, the children of Israel would plant a crop, they... They would actually, the Midianites would come in and steal the wheat, steal the corn. And it says there that they are, they were in, they were in, uh, <clears throat> in great distress. And this was the setting for this. And, and then uh, God sends a prophet to tell them, tell Israel that, you know, I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you from all those that oppressed you. I brought you into this land. I gave you this land. <clears throat> I drove out your enemies. I fed you. I kept you. I sustained you. It's, I'm kind of putting it in my own words. <clears throat> but there in chapter, in verse 10, then he said, I'm the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell but ye have not obeyed my voice. And so God had turned them over, had delivered them into the hand of the Midianites. <clears throat> and um, it was a dire time. They were, they, were ter they were in dire distress. It says greatly impoverished, which means terribly poor. Nothing to eat. And in the setting of this, there's a young man <clears throat> by the name of Gideon. And he's actually thrashing his wheat by the wine press, if you follow the story here. 
because he's hiding from the Midianites. The Midianites, if they would have known where he's thrashing the wheat, he, they, he would have lost his wheat. So here he is. He's over by the wine press, thrashing out the little wheat that they had. And an angel of the Lord comes to him, and, and he says, uh, <clears throat> let me see here. He says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And it doesn't give us, the story here doesn't give us that Gideon was a godly man above his brothers. I, I don't know that other than I know that God chose Gideon to be the one to come and bring deliverance from the Midianites. <clears throat> and so he talks there with Gideon talks with this angel. I don't think that he at this point yet knew that he was an angel. And then Gideon says, well, I'm going to go get you a gift. And so he goes and he, he gets some food and some broth and some bread. And he brings it to this stranger that came to, to um, salute him and to talk with him and to tell him that uh, there would be deliverance in Israel. And so Gideon, uh, the, the man says to lay it there on the rock and he took his staff and he just touched it and fire fell from heaven and consumed the gift. And so instantly Gideon knew that this was a man of God or this was a prophet or an angel. An angel, it says, from God. <clears throat> and when Gideon realized that, he said, you know what, I've seen an angel face to face. I might die. I This is... This is really something, and I might not live to tell this. And in verse 23, the angel says, and the Lord said, through the angel, the Lord said, peace be unto thee, fear not, thou shalt not die. <clears throat> then Gideon, in verse 24, Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. This was his altar that he built to Jehovah God, an altar of peace. <clears throat> Often wondered why they built altars when they did sacrifices. <clears throat> and the thought just struck to me is, I think God wanted them to build altars because so they wouldn't forget. Tomorrow, when you see the altar, you remember what happened on this altar. And it says there that, uh, called it Jehovah Shalom, unto this day it is yet in Ophrah. It's, the altar stood for a long time, reminding them that God is a God of peace. <clears throat> But the story goes on then for a few more details in that story. Um, that same night, the angel wanted him to go take down the, the altars of Baal and cut down the groves and actually take his father's, uh, take an animal from his own father's flock and it was his father's altars that he was to tear down. But he went and got, a, got an animal out of dad's flock got ten of his servants to go with him, 
They went and tore down dad's altar to Baal, cut down the trees in the grove that this altar was in and build a fire and, and build an altar and sacrifice to God that night. <clears throat> His own father owned the altar. And so the next morning they were trying to figure out what happened to the altar of Baal. And what happened to the grove of trees? And someone said, well, it must have been Joshua and his men did this. And so they, uh, the people of, this, of the, the area there, they were terribly upset about this. And so they go to Joshua or to Gideon's own father and they said, deliver this young man, he shall die. But dad all of a sudden had a brilliant idea. He said, you know what? Where was Baal when all this was happening? If Baal never moved a finger because my son went and tore down the altar and cut down the trees, there must be something wrong here. And so dad wises up to this thing and he said, okay, no, no. We'll let Baal defend himself. If Baal, you know, it must have been nothing. I mean, Baal... What's the deal here with Baal if Baal couldn't defend his own altar? So Gideon saved, his dad saved his life, and he probably realized that there was something serious going on here with Gideon. <clears throat> so then later, Gideon and some of his men were, were out, and they were kind of spying out the Midianites' camp, and there was a terrible thing going on here with all the plunder and everything. And God allowed him to overhear this dream. These two men were talking. And the one said, I had this dream. And there was a barley cake comes rolling down the hill. And it comes in and it rolls into a tent and it lays the tent flat. It just pushes it over, a barley cake. I wonder what this means. And the other man said, that's Gideon. That's Gideon, the man of God. And God allowed Gideon to hear this. And it just confirmed that peace in his heart that God was going to bring deliverance to Israel through him. And then he goes on and he, he, uh, he's conversing with God and trying to figure all this out. And then he goes into this thing with the, with the, uh, the piece of wool that he... This, he laid out and he did this test before God that if, if the dew lands on the ground and, the, and uh, this whatever he laid out there is dry, then, then this is really of God. And so it happened that way. And he said, God, I'm going to take one more test. I mean, this tonight, we're going we're gonna to say the ground is dry and the wool is wet or the fleece, whatever it was. And it was so. <clears throat> and I just bring out these these little pointers that this is this brought tremendous peace in this in the in the setting of terrible turmoil with with Gideon. <clears throat> and I think every now and then Gideon would go by and he would see this altar where he sacrificed. This, this Jehovah Shalom that he had built over here on the side. And it just was a confirmation in his heart 
that God was going to do a great thing through him. And then later, you know, they had this army of 20 or 30,000 people, whatever it was. He had put a tremendous army together of all the people, and they were going to drive out the Midianites. And God said, no, it's just way too many people. And you know that story, how God dwindled the whole army down to 300 people. And it basically was a scare tactic that they used with their pitchers and over their candles in the in the dark and and their trumpets and so when the time came a hundred at a time would break their pitchers and the lights would flash and they'd blow the trumpet and then another hundred did it and then another hundred and by the time the three hundred men blew their trumpets the Midianites were running and killing themselves and basically self-destructed their whole army and it was just a glorious defeat for Gideon. and for Israel. The story really doesn't end there. If you just go back another another chapter or two, when you get to Judges chapter 9, and it says that Gideon lived to to be a pretty old age, a good old age, it says. But it also says that as soon as he died, Israel went back to worshiping Baal. Actually, it doesn't say they worshiped Baal, but the, the scripture actually says, let's see if I can see that in chapter nine. In chapter 8, 32, and Gideon dies in a good old age. And verse 33 says, It came to pass as soon as Gideon was dead, the children of Israel turned again and went a-whoring after Balaam. That's not a word that we use a lot, and I hope it's not a word that is once named among us. But that's basically... God's way of saying they're committing adultery with Baal. They went a whoring after Balaam. The Baal, Balaam, or whatever the name of the, the God was. <clears throat> and all of a sudden, as I looked at that and I saw that this is a, a, a very serious thing with God when people... Turn their hearts away from God. <clears throat> and as I pondered that about the, the altar of, of, of Gideon there, Jehovah Shalom, and the peace that that brought, and the victory that that brought, and the, and the great deliverance that, that that very thing brought to Israel, was all destroyed in one moment by disobedience and committing spiritual adultery with Baal. And they turned their back on God. And if you read down down through Judges, you read through the Old Testament, it seems like the children of Israel were on a roller coaster ride. They would rise up for 30 years and crash again. They would rise up for 40 years and crash again. And it was all because they turned their back on God. And God considered it a, a whoring after an idol. 
just kind of a side note there of how serious God considers it when we turn after idols and turn after other things instead of the Jehovah God. The only thing that can really bring us that shalom, that peace. And as I, as I read over that account and I started thinking, and I started looking at many other scriptures and how often that we find the term, the peace of God or the God of peace, the Prince of Peace. And, I, and it just seemed like God was, was laying this on my heart of how much, really how much God desires peace for us as his children. And also I had to I had to think it's there there's not there's not hardly a a type in our human existence that that gives us a closer and better picture than the connection that God wants with his people than the marriage between a husband and a wife. Think about that. And, and the scriptures in many places refers to it as, as Christ and the church, as, as Christ and his bride, as, as God and his chosen people. It was In the Old Testament, it was God with Israel. God wanted to be married to Israel. God wanted a faithful a faithful bride in Israel. God wanted faithful devotion back from his chosen one. That's what God wanted. And when they turned their back on him, he looked at it as, there they go, a whoring, like a a whore or an adulterous woman running after another love. That's the way God looked at that. And it is very sad, Brother Earl mentioned that in the in the opening that that so many marriages in, in our world today kind of just disintegrate and they they run a whoring after other things. I don't even like to use that term. It's a it's a very uh, wicked term, but it it's the truth, brothers and sisters, and and we can so easily we can turn our hearts away from one another and we can turn our hearts away from God. <clears throat> but as a young, a young bride and groom come together and they, they join their lives together in marriage and there's, there's such beauty there and there's such honor there and there's such connection there that... <clears throat> People have said already, I, we can tell you've been married five years because you're, you're starting to even look alike. Well, c- can people say that? Because I can say, I can tell you've been a Christian for five years. You're starting to look like, like the groom. You're starting to act like the groom. You, started, you start speaking like the groom. You, you, you have his accent. You bear his children. Your children look just like him. And there's not, 
I, I've, I've thought about this a lot, and there's not hardly an illustration that more clearly depicts what God really wants from His people. From the, from the Old Testament and Israel and the New Testament and the church. <clears throat> And the love that flows out of the marriage relationship when it's done God's way. It's, there's submission there. There's honor there. There's peace there. Jehovah Shalom. Only a peace that can flow out of a solid union that is connected with God. And that is the same picture that... that Gideon saw when the angel accepted his gift and God said, this is what I want you to do. And he goes and he builds this altar. There was a connection between Gideon and Jehovah God that sustained him through all of that other. May we have, can we have, can we have a Jehovah Shalom ourselves today? Can we? Sure we can. The simple answer is yes. The simple answer is not only yes, but it is imperative that we have that. It is imperative that we have such a connection with the God of peace. And there's, there's a flowing relationship that produces offspring that looks like the God of peace. And in other words, things need to flow out of our life that, that looks like it came from there, if I can say it so plainly. The same way that it does when a, when a young couple is married and there's, there's a beautiful relationship and children are born out of that and they, they resemble the, the parent. And there's a submitting and there's a, producing of like the other. And that's what God wants. I just, I just see that so clearly, and it's such a beautiful picture. And I, I think it's called Jehovah Shalom. It's, it's the altar of peace where we submit ourselves and we honor something greater than ourselves. I'm going to be jumping around to some New Testament scriptures now. Here. <clears throat> I don't hardly know where to start because I, the more I looked, it's just, if you start doing a search of the peace of God and the God of peace, it just is, jumps out everywhere at you. And I'm like, okay, which, how many can I use here? <clears throat> But one of the one of the most beautiful ones that I like is in Philippians chapter four, verse four. <clears throat> From four to nine, I'm gonna just read that. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. 
Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. When the God of peace is with you, you have Jehovah Shalom. It says rejoice in the Lord. There's, I think as we, we look at the context here, we see the formula. <laughs> we see what kind of, we see what kind of environment that the God of peace wants in your heart, so that He can dwell there. He wants a heart of rejoicing, a heart of moderation, a heart of that is free from worry, a heart of prayer and supplication, a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of of someone that is in tune with him, just like a young bride is in tune with her with the groom the day they get married. And out of that flows fruit that looks like the bride and groom. And in Galatians 5.22, it says, And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering. That's the fruit that comes out of those that walk with God in such a way. In John chapter 16, John chapter 14, verse 27. In in 26, he said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. My peace I give unto you. Peace I leave with you, he's saying. My peace I give unto you. And he said that the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, which the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things. And in chapter 16, excuse me, I have a hard time clearing my throat here. In chapter 16, verse 31, Jesus is talking to them and he says, there in 31, just breaking in, he said, do you now believe? He was telling him, 
the prediction of his death and his resurrection and all of that there in the rest of the chapter. But he says, do you now believe? Behold, the hour cometh, yea, and is now come, that ye shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone yet. I am not alone because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This is the one that Isaiah in chapter 9 verse 6, he says, the prince of peace. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he goes on and he says, he will be the prince of peace. That's the one right here. This is the one. And he is saying that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Do we believe that? <clears throat> if, we have a, if we are married to the Prince of Peace and the one that has overcome the world, why in the world does the world worry us? And I know we should be concerned about the issues of the world and all of those things. I mean, I think that's, that's all right and good. But there is a reality. Thank you, brother. I should have plenty of water. <laughs> but let's go back to Gideon's situation. They were being plundered by the Midianites. His own father was a Baal worshiper. His own, the people had largely turned away from Jehovah God. And they were being impoverished to the point where there was nothing to eat. And he had to, harv- he had to harvest his, his wheat in the dark probably. And he was thrashing it by the wine press so that they wouldn't find it. And he builds an altar to Jehovah, Pete, Shalom. He somehow got a hold of something that gave him peace in the hardest of situations. And we can have that as well. When situations go wrong, and they will, the world is full of uncertainties. The world is full of shaky circumstances. No matter, do you live in Haiti? Or do you drive down the road in in a pickup? You can break your leg in either one. You can get hurt. If you worry about those things, And if you dwell on those things, you you will not have peace. But God, the Jehovah Shalom wants to, we need a Jehovah Shalom that carries us through anything that the world can throw at us because we are married to the Prince of Peace that wants to give it to us. And he, and he plainly says, you know, there, there's tribulations all around in the world. There will be tribulations, period. That's what the world is, is tribulation in the world. But he said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And sometimes I don't think I believe that. Dear brothers and sisters, I'm sorry, but sometimes my focus is too much on the tribulation and not on that I am married to the Prince of Peace that wants to give me peace in the, in the grand, 
the grimmest of situations. Brother, I'm not saying you should have stayed in Haiti and just faced that. Sometimes God gives us wisdom to back off a little bit and say, you know what? I don't need to subject my family to too much more of this so we can go again. And I, there's, a, there's a time for that. <clears throat> and Brother Earl, there's times when there's the situations can be so toxic with customers and whatever that it is not wrong to back off and say, I need to rejuvenate with the love of God and with the Prince of Peace so that I can face tomorrow again. God knows how much we can take. I think we need to face each situation with the love of God in our hearts. But I also think we need to be wise enough to see, well, you know, this toxic thing will destroy me. I need to back off a little bit so that I can go again tomorrow. Does that make any sense? I'm not refuting what you said, but I know what it's, I know what it's like to be in a situation that is so toxic and you're just not sure if you, you just want to quit. And I don't think God wants us to just quit. God wants us to back up, refresh, reconnect with the Prince of Peace and get and go back to our Jehovah Shalom, get some more Shalom and go again. And I think that's what God would have us to do. <clears throat> we cannot control the circumstances, but we can control our minds and how that we face those things and and how that we allow ourselves to just dwell on the on the bad when we really need to be focusing on the on the groom that we're married to the prince of peace that wants to give that to us <clears throat> in in 1st Thessalonians I wrote that down here somewhere. Let's go to Second Thessalonians, I guess. <clears throat> Chapter two. And here <clears throat> Paul uses this a lot in his letters. In the in the in Romans he uses it. Different places he refers to the God of peace and the peace of God. And in chapter 2, verse 13 here, it says, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord God, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast, hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Now the Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. And it's just, a, again, a a real reminder of what God really wants for his people. Here he says, everlasting consolation. That just kind of gives peace 
And that little new definition, it's an everlasting consolation. Can you wrap your mind around that? It's something that doesn't change. It doesn't go away. It's a, it's a comfort. It's a peace. <clears throat> a peace that passeth all understanding. there is just a tremendous um, blessing when we can truly have a place called our Jehovah Shalom a place it may be your closet It may be that little place back behind the barn. It may be that little place where you go and you can renew your heart with the Prince of Peace and it becomes your altar of peace where you refuel your peace tank and you can go in there with an anxious heart and you come out and you're at rest. You're at peace. You can face this. You can go again. You can have the strength You can, you can overhear a conversation of someone talking about a little barley cake bowling over a tent. And they said, oh yeah, yeah, that's Michael. I know that, I know what that dream meant. That was Michael and hey, you know, or that's Elvin. Or you can, God allows us to overhear those little things sometimes. And it gives us the strength. <clears throat> The knowledge of the God of peace gives us the peace of God. It's supposed to. Sometimes I think we can have the knowledge of God and somehow miss the peace of God. <clears throat> but in 2 Peter chapter 1, I'm going to read that yet here. Peter's saying in verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through knowledge of him that hath called you us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Where do you stop here? And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. If these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if ye do these things, ye shall never fall.
the children of Israel forgot again after 40 years. And they, as soon as Gideon died, they turned back to a whoring after Balaam. And if you think for one minute that you can just live your life in a haphazard way, one day you will forget. You will forget. That's why we need that altar, that Jehovah Shalom somewhere, where we on a, on a regular basis can go and just unwind and refuel. That is my heart for myself, it's heart for my, my heart for my family, and all of you here, that we can find that place where we can constantly, regularly refuel with that peace of God that comes from knowing, the knowledge of knowing the Prince of Peace and being married to Him. So that the fruit that flows out of our life looks like Him. In the same way that your children look like their parents, it's a, it's a it's it's a beautiful type there that what comes out of us should look like the one that we spend the most time with that we're overshadowed with that we're in connection with that we are one with that we are united with <clears throat> many more scriptures that I could turn to but I think I'll just leave you with that May the God of peace give you the peace of God.